Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Well, well, well. High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold as we continue along with our settling these debates once and for all week. It's Embrace Debate Week that's probably going to turn into next week as well, too, here on the program. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Between us, we've got 10 long... Well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to count college football, I mean, we've got a, <laughs> we've got, we've got a decade of, NA, of football experience between the two of us. We've got some legendary pond hockey playing. I mean, in one of us between the two of us are legendary West Virginia alums as well, who are season ticket holders. I thought you were gonna go with the. Uh, one of us looks like he's 16 years old and just thinks it's oh, cool to not cut man. his hair. I mean, you know, just got, got hair free, carefree. Let it go, man. Let live. Uh. Yesterday, Motes, I produced Crowley mm-hmm. from 4 to 7. And so before the show, uh, him and I FaceTime just to kind of, you know, get on the same page and here's what we want to do today and right. you got this going on and can we do that? And Crowley took one look at me and was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that's what he said. I got to give Crowley credit. He said, you don't look bad. He said, you just look like the high schooler who thinks it's cool to not cut his hair. <laughs> so. Mama says she want me to cut it. I'm growing it out. It's though. like the first time in my life I think I ever have a doppelganger. Like, um... Mm. The kid, the guy from Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Steve is his name. <laughs> and in, like, the latest season, he's got his hair grown really long. Right, you got to do it sometimes. And that's a, that's a visual for the people at home. And you know what else you got to do at home? You got to chime in on the Twitter.com here over the next two hours. You know where to find us. At Wesley Euler. At the Body 52. The Body. Full jam-packed show today. About 15, 20 minutes from now, we're going to talk to our buddy Brian Backo. Of course, on a Thursday We'll also have three questions Thursday and hour number two, but Arthur Motes, it's quarterback day today on the program. So I say we jump right into it because, I mean, we got a, we got a lot to debate. Man. Obviously, we got to talk about the greatest and the best quarterbacks in Pittsburgh Steelers history. We got to talk about right now the pecking order of quarterbacks in the AFC North. But let's start, of course, with the black and gold. Arthur Motes, it's been our, our topic du jour all week, right? Man. Monday, this, this the one. Monday, we did best wide receiver, greatest wide receiver in Steelers history. Tuesday, it was pass rushers. Yesterday, it was running backs. Today, quarterback, the prom king of all positions, Arthur Motes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute now. I ain't say all that. Well, I just, I know you hey, like to. Hey, you, hey, you, we, we ain't say all that just you, now. You like to you like to hunt prom kings. Hey, you know? yeah, nah, 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 nah. You know, outside linebacker's the prom king of all positions. Just throwing it out there, all right? I I agree. Hot take. Although I I don't know. I think I think maybe the uh the local team radio host is the prom king of all. Oh yeah, of course. You know that man. Especially the the, the Steel Nation radio hosts. Yeah. From those guys 12 who are to from, two. who are on from noon to two. Yeah, yeah, those, those are the ones. Oh yeah, absolutely. man. Homecoming absolutely. and prom kings there. Creme de la creme. Top shelf, homie. Mm-hmm. When, Motes, these first three days of the week, right? We're talking wide receivers, pass rushers, running backs. A lot of names to consider there. Yes. A lot of Hall of Famers to consider there. Motsi, this is a two-horse race, all right? Unless somebody wants to come in here and tell me that Cordell Stewart or Neil Donald is the best quarterback in the history of the what Steelers. What about Tommy Maddox, man? Come on, baby. Mike Vick. The Steelers 
have won six Super Bowls in franchise history. Those six Super Bowls have been won by two gentlemen, Benjamin Roethlisberger and Terry Bradshaw. Now, I could do the nice, polite thing here, and I could oh. say, oh, Moats, you want to go first? You wanna... But you already know the drill here. I've got to go first, right? Absolutely, because I've never gone first. I've got to go first. Moats never goes first. So here we go. Um, oh, I got to hear this. <laughs> this is crazy. This was oh, I said this man. with the wide receiver discussion on Monday. This yeah. was more difficult than I thought it was. Super difficult. Really what? was. Like this morning, I was like, hey, it's, it's Ben. Ben. I mean, come on. It's Ben. I've told you this stat before. He averages more completions a game uh-huh. than Terry even averaged yeah. pass attempts uh-huh. per game. But once you start to dig into it, and it, you particularly uh-huh. consider the eras that they played in. Along with the accolades. Along with the accolades. Because, man... Like, we always think about Terry Bradshaw, four Super Bowls, four and oh in Super Bowls, him and Joe Montana, the only ones that mm-hmm. can say that they have four rings and they never, four or more rings, and they, and they never lost a Super Bowl. But Terry's got the individual accolades, mm-hmm. too. He was the NFL MVP, the MVP of the league mm-hmm. in 1978. He's a two time, not once, but as in one, two, buckle my shoe, two time. Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. So he's got the he's got the dual Super Bowl MVP uh, hardware. Uh, uh, and, and he has a regular season He's got situation. the regular season MVP. No, 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 no. Not even MVPs. All pro. Mm-hmm. First team mm-hmm. and second team. Mm-hmm. He twice led the NFL in passing touchdowns thrown, 78 and 82. And, of course, I don't think this surprises anybody. He's on the NFL's 1970 All-Decade team as well, as mm-hmm. obviously – the Pittsburgh Steelers. The crazy thing with Terry Bradshaw to me is the touchdown-to-interception ratio because it's almost one-to-one. He threw 212 touchdowns to 210 interceptions. Very true. Just about 2,800 passing yards. He was only 11 yards away from hitting that 28K mark. 52% completion percentage, 71 almost, 70.9 passer rating. Uh, Also, 32 rushing touchdowns. I did not expect it to be that okay, many okay. I see as him. well, yeah. too. Show off the wheels a little bit, baby. So I had to dig deeper into, because yesterday, you know, Arthur Motes, you rightly so, you opened my eyes. I had to dig deeper into this turnovers conversation, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, when you when it you matters. hit me with those, those, nine, those 90 fumble rooskies fumble by Franco, and then I saw these 212 touchdowns to 210 interceptions. The league-wide passing statistics pass. Let me say that again five times fast. <laughs> the league-wide passing statistics during Terry Bradshaw's tenure, most they're like hilarious. Terry Bradshaw played fourteen seasons in the NFL. Mm-hmm. In thirteen of those fourteen seasons, quarterbacks in the NFL threw more interceptions than touchdowns. What? Thirteen of fourteen. So that seasons was just common practice. The, then. It, it, so it was just common practice then. Like we had this discussion yesterday. For whatever reason, in the 70s, there was just not the onus that there is on ball security today. There just wasn't. 13 out of 14 of Terry Bradshaw's seasons, quarterbacks in the NFL threw more interceptions than touchdowns. That's crazy. And the one season that wasn't the case for Bradshaw, 1983, that's the year he got hurt and played just one game. Wow. (laughs) And in that season, 1983... Quarterbacks in the NFL threw for 625 touchdowns and 620 interceptions. So mm, it was it was nuts. pretty darn close. Motes, this is tough. Because it definitely is, man. Terry has the individual awards that Ben hasn't won. Mm-hmm. Right? We've talked about this. Now, we don't agree with it, but Ben's never even received a vote for MVP. Correct. 
Terry won that thing in 1978. Now, Ben obviously twice has led the NFL in passing yards. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, although has never been first or second team All-Pro. And has never been a Super Bowl MVP. And has never been a Super Bowl MVP, although I could argue, as much as I love Santonio Holmes, he deserved it. But again, we're going with not the hypothetical here. We're going with it is what it is. I look at the defenses that they played with, Arthur Motes. Mm -hmm. They both had some really good defenses. I mean, really, really good defenses. Ben's two years winning the Super Bowl. The Steelers had the fourth best and the first best defense in the NFL statistically. In 2010, when they lost, they had the second best defense statistically. Terry Bradshaw, his four Super Bowls, the Steelers had first, fourth, third, and second highest ranked defense (laughs) in the NFL statistically. So you can't really say for either guy, oh, they were doing it on on their own. Right, right. Arthur Motes, I think it's real simple. Where you going, man? Where you going? Uh, it's real simple. Uh-oh. Greatest quarterback in Steelers history is Terry Bradshaw. Best quarterback in Steelers <laughs> history is Ben Roethlisberger. Go ahead and hedge your bet, dear and baby. I, and, I, <laughs> and I cover my all my yep, Go ahead and hedge it. Go ahead and hedge all it, man. My, I, I just, listen, I was ready to come in here to say it's Ben, it's Ben, it's Ben, it's Ben. I can't get over the... The, the two Super Bowl MVPs I knew and had thought about, yes. I had totally forgotten that Terry was league MVP yes. in 78. Absolutely, bro. I, I, I can't ignore that. As much as the turnovers and the interceptions, because when I look at the larger picture, that just – the <laughs> was, ball that, that security, was common practice That was back common then? practice back then. <laughs> so that, that, that regular season MVP, I think, does it for me. I give Bradshaw greatest, but, I mean, yeah, without a doubt. If you drop Big Ben into the 70s, he would have dominated. He's going to light it up. Yeah. Right? No question. So that's that's how I'm parsing it. You know, I thought I was going to come in here and we weren't going to agree upon anything today. But this is a great start to the day, man. Let's go. Because without a doubt, I said, I said to myself this, man. Without a doubt, Ben, from a talent standpoint, let's be real. He can play in any era and he'll light it up. Yes. But the thing that got me even more so, like you said, when you go down the list of awards – and athletes, because, and this is what we talked about a little bit off the mic yesterday. I hate when we bring up Super Bowls because that is a team stat. That is a team award. No one person has ever won a Super Bowl by themselves. Correct. So why is it that we want to put that on this player versus that player? I don't. Now, if we're talking Super Bowl MVPs, that's an individual award. So we can focus on that. So that's why when I compare the two from a Super Bowl performance standpoint, I say, man, Bradshaw got two of those MVPs. That stands out a lot more. Whereas, correct. Whereas when we can talk big, and you can debate, you can debate the one, but he didn't get it anyways. But you can debate it. But the first one, it's not even a conversation. No. So for me, I'm like, man. So on the biggest game, the biggest stage, who performed at a higher level multiple times? Bradshaw did. When we talk about, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, um, Terry Bradshaw also is the only. Super Bowl MVP quarterback that never threw an interception in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Crazy. Yeah. And again, Crazy. in an era where oh, yeah. we've defenses about it, there, were late. Yeah. There wasn't the onus on on controlling the football like Absolutely. There is now. So then I take it to the regular season and I say, man, we always talk about how a league MVP is huge. Huge. Yeah. That that stamps you. That Russell solidifies Wilson who you doesn't are. Doesn't have one of those. Doesn't even have a vote. A vote. Him and Ben. Think about that. Yeah, exactly. Two of the top five quarterbacks of this era, mm-hmm. and they haven't even gotten a vote. And now my thing is this: we're not going to act like Bradshaw wasn't playing back in the in the time where it was some dogs at quarterback. Let's be real about. It. We know during the seventies, man, it was some some guys, mm-hmm. some guy guys, mm-hmm. and it all the way up to the early eighties. 
So the fact that he won a Super Bowl, I mean, won a regular season MVP, that speaks volumes about him. I think so, too. And then, like I said, we could talk Pro Bowls, but I never like to compare Pro Bowls because we know how much of a popularity contest it is, especially now in the modern era. Back when Bradshaw was playing, it was a lot different. But we don't even go that route. We go all pro because that's always been the steady, consistent, most reliable way of gauging how good a player is in this league because it's voted amongst players and coaches. And when you look at the fact that Ben doesn't even have one, never been named to an all-pro team, that's wow. But Bradshaw has. So that's another reason why, in me, in terms of my perspective, I'm like, dude, <clears throat> this is clear that Bradshaw is the guy in terms of being the greatest. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we could point to the statistics and say, well, Ben has so many more passing yards. Ben also has almost double, triple the attempts. Mm-hmm. So at what point? So at what point is Terry, it more volume over actual quality? Terry averaged twelve completions per twelve point one completions yeah. per game in his NFL career. Like, like and that's what I want to know. That's three completions a quarter. Yeah. So, so I don't. I, I mean, we could point to these numbers of man. Well, Ben has this and this. And he, five fifty six hundred. I mean, fifty six thousand passing yards. I got all that. We also have to uh, uh, understand too that the time in which Ben has been playing is drastically different than Bradshaw. We talked about it just from a quarterback passing attempt standpoint. But then also you look at the games played as well. The amount of games that Ben has played, 218 games <laughs> compared to 168 games. Yeah. That's a big difference. It is a big difference. And then not to mention that during the season that Bradshaw was playing, he only had two seasons where he played all 16 games in the regular season. Other than that, it was 15, 10s, 14s. He got an eight in there. Like that's, that's different. Whereas when you look at Ben, outside of last year, he's played a minimum of 12 games. Mm-hmm. A minimum. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of factors and variables that are yeah, going into Ben's really numbers. Is. So I understand how easy it is to just point to Ben's total passing yards, but then we also got to point to his total passing attempts, his interceptions as well, 191 of them. Like, it's a lot. And, and the fact that Ben has led the league in passing attempts what in 2018, but then also he has a 600 – Year passing attempts, a 469, a 509, a 561, a 506, a 469. Like, that's crazy. It really is. You realize the most attempts Bradshaw had in the season was 472 passing attempts? 472. Like. <laughs> it's nuts. So, so for the context of that, man, that's why for me, if we're talking about just the greatest stealer, both statistically and from an accolade standpoint. It's tough to argue. I, I got to go Bradshaw, clear cut. Because with Ben, the only thing that you're going to point to is his yards. His yards, completion percentages, it, it, and all of that I feel like is inflated just because, of number one, the amount of games, more games he's played than Bradshaw. Yes. The difference of errors where you're looking at how many pass attempts he's had per season. And then, like I said, the fact that <laughs> – I mean, this is just just it just blows my mind when I'm looking at these numbers, man. But I'm the, the the worst year that Ben had from a passing attempt standpoint. Obviously, he got hurt this past year at 62. But the worst year he had was his rookie year, 295, 295, and that was pretty much on par or still more than a lot of the years that Bradshaw played. Yeah. So for me, that's why I just can't go solely based off of those gaudy numbers because like it's, it's definitely inflated. It's definitely a product of just the volume of it. More of the it's more quantity than quality, yes. and I think that's the difference in between the two right now. 
I I said it's like Monday. I did not expect to uh you know, I thought Monday I was gonna come in here and I was gonna say Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown. I thought I was gonna come in here today and say Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger, but man, you look at the numbers. You said it, Motsi. It's it's impressive. I think this too, before we go to break here and get to our buddy Brian Backo. That nineteen seventy eight MVP. Yeah. Some of the names that he had to beat out to win that. Walter Payton had won two in a row. Jeez. Kenny, Kenny Stabler had won MVPs. Jeez. Archie Manning, Earl Campbell, Dan Fouts. I mean, like, these are legendary Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame names. And mind you, he was the first Steeler since the 40s. Right, to win it. To win that award. And, and so I all think throughout too. those 70s years, none of those other Steelers ever won it, except for Terry. And, and I will say this, I think – a lot of people that haven't looked into all of the accolades and success of Bradshaw, you would just say Ben because he is the more popular Steelers quarterback. Sure. But that also goes into the era in which he played in, where the media attention is surrounding the Steelers all the time, where anything these guys do now is magnify the different TV coverages and networks surrounding it. I think that plays largely into it as well because if, if Bradshaw was playing in this era with these type of accolades and stuff like that, I don't even think it's a, a debate. But I think that plays into it a lot just in modern Steeler Nation just because this is what they are – I mean, for our generation, this is all the only quarterback we saw. We never got a chance to see Bradshaw unless you're watching highlight tapes. Right. Let's be real about it. Oh, no. He, he retired before you and I were born. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that all plays into it as well. I think so too. But I, I do like Big Ben's nickname over the Blonde Bomber just throwing it out there. Ooh, those are both good nicknames They too. are. They are, but I like Big Ben. What number do you like more, 12 or 7? I'm a 7 guy, but more so because Vic. And me for John Elway, too. Yeah. I, love, I, love, I love John Elway growing up. Yeah, and 12 reminds me too much now of Tom Brady. Brady even, yeah, though, yeah. even though Terry had it first, yeah. dang it. I'm good on the 12. <laughs> Let's take a break here to pay some bills, and then we're going to chat with our buddy Brian Backo, see what he thinks about this quarterback debate. On the other side, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNL. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It wouldn't be a Thursday without going to the phone lines and talking to our buddy, our favorite Steelers beat reporter out there. I think that's safe to say, right, Motsy? Um, yeah, yeah, he's our favorite. He's our favorite. <laughs> Brian Becko, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What's happening, Batman? How we doing? Good, man. It's uh, it's another uh, great week at the at the Batco house. We've uh, we've got a big package in the mail today. Uh, the wife and I have a beach wedding to go to on Ooh. vacation with our family in a couple weeks, and my Hawaiian shirt came in. Ooh, I like morning, it. So I'm pretty pumped. And I like how you were very humble when describing the Batco estate, mm-hmm. the Batco ranch. <laughs> you know they got a pool motor. <laughs> and it's bigger than Yay's. That's what I heard. Hey, it's just an above-ground pool. There's nothing too fancy about this over here. It's like, a, it's like an oversized bathtub. I like it. All right, buddy. So here's what we've been doing this week. Uh, we've kind of had a theme week, right, where in this – I know you've been going through this too. We're, we're all – it's like a gold rush, but instead of rushing for gold, we're all mining for content here. Uh, on yeah, the... I wish there was more going on for me to, to join you guys and talk to you about, <laughs> but uh, I guess that's the beauty of the, the weekly Bat Coast segment. It, it might be – Steelers related, it might be football related, or it might just be nonsense. Who knows? We got to keep you on. We got to keep the audience on their toes, you know. So, so one of the things that Moats and I've been doing this week, right? We caught it like once and for all week, where we're settling a lot of these debates that Steelers fans have, you know, amongst themselves at the bar over holidays when they're tailgating before games. So Monday we did 
our wide receiver rankings in Steelers franchise history. Tuesday was pass rusher. Yesterday was running backs. Today is quarterbacks. A little bit shorter of a list, Mr. Backo. So who is it? Who is a crim de la crim signal caller in Steelers franchise history? Is it Terry Bradshaw or is it Benjamin Roethlisberger? Oh, you bring me on with a, a very loaded question. <laughs> Probably the toughest, uh, the toughest debate of all of this. But I think if, if you really made me choose a side, which you clearly are doing, uh, no bones about it here, I'd have to go with Bradshaw. I mean, you can't argue with the numbers, and, and there's still time in Ben's, um, yeah, I guess, progressing aging career here for him to, to make a dent. And, and depending on if they could win a third ring for him, uh, what would his end-of-the-day resume look like compared to number 12? But uh, assuming that he doesn't, and, and just judging right here on June 18th, 2020, uh, I've got to go with Bradshaw. Yeah, that's well, it's what we came up to as well for me. You know, I'm anti bringing in the rings debate for individuals. But even sure. with that, I said, you know, from a big game standpoint, with Bradshaw having two Super Bowl MVPs, I think that was another big piece that Ben is missing, along with Bradshaw having a regular season MVP and also being a first team All Pro, where we know Ben has never been an MVP and has never been an All Pro. And I thought, man, when you're talking about the era in which Terry Bradshaw played in, for him to receive those type of individual accolades, I mean, I think that speaks volumes. And you factor in the fact of that style of play back then, too. I mean, we talk about the defenses from, from the 70s and the 80s. I mean, Bradshaw was definitely going against some crazy talent as well. Yeah, and it's not just about rings, 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 like you said, but Bradshaw had good numbers, too, especially for that era. Although I think you could also argue that in favor of Ben, too, if you really wanted, because let's just be honest. I mean, you go back and watch any sport in the 70s, whether it's basketball, baseball, or, or in this case, football, it wasn't the same level of athlete. Uh, guys weren't as big. Physiques were different. Uh, you weren't working out all offseason and, and taking care of your body the same way that, that guys are now in, in 2020. Some of those guys back then had offseason jobs that they had to, mm -hmm. to work just to pay the bills. So, I mean, you watch those. The tape, uh, it's not like you're watching the same type of speed and, and power and, like I said, athleticism as you are now. So I think that's one thing that's, that's always kind of tough to consider anytime you're debating the greatest of, of players between eras and not just in the NFL, but, uh, you know, people always talk about that too uh, when you're arguing uh, LeBron versus MJ or uh, Kareem versus Shaq, uh, all sorts of these arguments that never really get settled because you'll just never know. Now, you told us who the greatest is, and we agreed upon that. Now, who do you feel is the best player, though, between the two from a talent standpoint? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when you get down to that point of it, like if you're just saying, okay, we're playing a game tomorrow, and somehow with a, a time machine we've got both guys in their prime, I'm probably not taking Terry Bradshaw over Ben Roethlisberger in, in that sense. I mean, Ben just had prototypical – size and you know just that little bit of scrambling ability or, or pocket mobility that you need to extend plays and, and shake off defenders and I think by and large you, you pretty much take any guy who was a, a first round draft pick or you know top 15 draft pick in the 2000s versus guys who were you know even the number one pick in the 70s and you're not going to have quite the same level uh, of football players so I think if you, you look at it from that perspective, while, while Ben maybe doesn't have 
the same type of career achievements or, or resume at this point. It would be hard to argue against really any football player from this era uh, and taking them in a, in a yeah. one-game scenario over someone from that era. Yeah, I think that's a good call by you, too. I was surprised, though, when I really dug deep this morning into a lot of the numbers and personal accolades of Terry Bradshaw, I, I was I was not expecting to be as, uh, as impressed as I was, and, yeah. again, in terms of the individual stuff. Um, but the only member of that Steelers 70s team to win an MVP league-wide, I think that holds a lot of weight. Brian Backo our guest here on the Steelers Blitz. Buddy, I was reading your mailbag, all right, and I thought you got asked a very pertinent question here. Essentially, if Terrell Edmonds gets, in, Terrell Edmonds gets injured, who would the Steelers roll out at strong safety? Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the bigger questions on this defense, and I, I think for me it's a slight secondary concern to the inside linebacker question because you're, you're basically – looking for a second starter at, at that position, uh, whether that's Vince Williams, you know, we'll see. Whereas the safety question, you're, there's just no clear backup, right? But backups are important. I mean, we saw that last season, you know, going back to the opener. I mean, Cameron Kelly had to start at free safety in place of Sean Davis. And I wouldn't say that went very well against the New England Patriots up there <laughs> in Foxborough in week one. So if they had to, to get down to a, a similar sort of decision on, on who they would roll out there, uh, if you know the the reader in my mailbag asked about Terrell Edmonds, but you could ask the the same thing if Minka Fitzpatrick went down, what would you do? Because there's just no clear number three safety. Put it that way. I think this this staff generally still feels comfortable with also a very good friend of the show, Jordan Dangerfield. They wouldn't keep him around <laughs> as long as they have if they didn't. But it's also clear that they really haven't entrusted him, at least not in the past couple years to play significant reps in the defense at either of those safety spots when they've had injuries. So to me, you've still got a guy with decent pedigree and and certainly the measurables on your depth chart in Marcus Allen, Um, but he's another guy that he's been on the practice squad for much of his two-year career so far. He's never really gotten a longer extended look in in meaningful action. So beyond those two, you you start maybe looking at using someone out of position, a, a traditional corner like a Cam Sutton, or Mike Hilton, and after that, you—that's probably why they partially why they used their sixth-round pick on, on a rookie safety out of Maryland and Antoine Brooks. Could he slot right in right away and help you? That might be a tough ask with this uh, shortened and, and unusual offseason that we've had. Now, sticking with the theme of depth and backups, obviously uh, there have been rumblings about Colin Kaepernick and his return. We've seen Roger Goodell make the statement that he wants him back. We've seen where Anthony Lynn, head coach of the L.A. Chargers, said that. He's on their workout list, and any team that doesn't bring him in for a workout is is pretty much out of their mind. Could you see a situation where the Steelers would potentially bring Kaepernick in for a workout? Yeah, I could see that. I don't see why it would uh, why it would hurt you or, or why it would be a bad idea. Yes, there there might be some distractions that come along with that, but if there's any of the the 32 organizations that could probably withstand that, the Steelers are near the top of that list given their stability in, in the front office and on the coaching staff. And I, I just don't know that uh, their, their quarterback depth chart is, is in a, a place right now where they would want to make that move. I mean, they didn't want to make a move really for any uh, aging veteran most, let alone one that's been out of the game for, for three or four years now. So uh, it's funny though. I know you guys were, were uh, going to, or, or already have talked about the depth charts at quarterback in, in this division, or at least plan to rank the quarterbacks. When I was sitting down and, 
looking at it the other day, I mean, there's I could see a couple teams in this division that maybe wouldn't be a bad landing spot either for Colin Kaepernick or, or one of those other guys, big-name guys still out there on the market like a Cam Newton. Speaking of uh, big-name veterans still on the market, haven't played in a while. Yeah, Mr. Big Chest has been uh, he's been a little he's been a little quiet. Roman. He's been a little booming. A little bit booming. A little bit. You know what, Mr. Backo? You know, I feel like last year we talked right that for AB to get back in the league, all he has to do is just go away for a little bit, right? Like just shut up and go away for a little bit, and eventually you'll get back because that's just how things work in our society. A lot of times, you just have to disappear long enough for people to kind of forget about you for a minute. Are we seeing that from AB right now? seems that way, Wes. It seems that way. And, and I'm someone who I still keep up with, with AB's social media because uh, there was a point, I guess late last year probably, where you clicked on one of his live videos or one of his stories. <laughs> you didn't know what you were going to do. I mean, I could be reporting on um, something either very scandalous or, or something uh, criminalistic. And, and fortunately for everyone, I think, especially – Antonio, uh, you haven't seen or, or heard or read much about that lately. And he, he's obviously still training. He's still posting his workout videos every day. So he hasn't gone zero dark 84 or anything like that. But uh, he's doing exactly what he needs to do to, to even hold on to a sliver of hope uh, that someone will, will give him a chance again. And I know there's there's debates. It's, it's really good uh, talk show radio fodder to argue who has a better chance of playing in the league again at this juncture, Antonio Brown or Colin Kaepernick. And, and I would still come back to A.B., even with the, the civil suit pending against him for some legitimately heinous things, if they're true. Uh, now that he, he you know pleaded out to the uh, assault charges down there in Florida, I just think that the fact that he's so much more talented and was at the peak of his game, really, uh, when he went out, and he hasn't been out of the sport for nearly as long as, as Kaepernick has, that uh, it's still much more likely that someone would be willing to give Mr. Big Chess the chance. Now, <laughs> with Mr. Big Chess, we've seen some of the links, like he said, to him to either Baltimore or him to Seattle. Now, if he were to go to Baltimore, how do you think that would booster or bolster their receiving group versus the other receiving groups in the AFC North? It would give them a huge lift as long as he's still able to play at the level that he had been. And, and I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Granted, you know, rust is a real thing. You, you'd have to account for, okay, the last time we saw him on a football field was early, early uh, 2019 regular season and, and playing for the New England Patriots. And but but wait know, a minute. I thought, a I, I, thought, I thought that rust is not rust. It's only rest. That's what we say with Ben, right? <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, that's honestly, I was, uh, I was kind of. Uh, bearish on on him and his uh, ability to come back from rust, I guess. But yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think that it, any receiving core that would uh, bring him in and any offense would, would instantly get a boost. Now the question would be, is he going to be able to, to keep his mind right and, and not mm. be a problem in the locker room? Is he not going to be a guy that uh, does the wrong things in, in front of your young players? And I think if you're the Ravens, for as much as, as he would uh, boost a, a receiving core that's, let's be honest, is always kind of looking in, in different ways for their next star because what kind of free agent, big-name receiver is going to want to go play in an offense where you run the ball that much? <laughs> um, I, I just don't think that they're the type of team uh, that should want to bring him in because you, you've got everything going right. Your culture's in a great place. John Harbaugh's pulled all the right strings. Lamar Jackson is uh, doing everything right 
why take that chance just because the guy might still be able uh, to, to inject some life into your receiving core? Brian Bacco, our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, kind to lend us uh, his information, his time, as always. All right, buddy, last one for you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Moats, I'm going to do something here that I've never done before. I'm a little nervous. Oh, but it's, boy. It's because, you know, again, Bacco's just, he's such a good friend of the show. You know, yeah. he, he almost, he, he almost, you know, he feels like one of us a lot of times when mm-hmm. we have these discussions. I've never done this before. Okay. But I want to ask Bacco one of the three question Thursday questions before we get to Thursday. Whoa. I, now I feel some type of way. Do I have your permission? I'll feel some type of way now. I mean, first Bacco stands me up. Now he's taking over my three question Thursday. Sure. Why not? <laughs> we've already, we, we've Be honest, been. Mode. <laughs> <Be honest. laughs> we've just we've been so sportsy in this segment with Bacco. I yeah. feel like we got although this is kind of a sportsy thing. All right, you ready for this, Bacco? I'm gonna I'm gonna I uh, don't you, know. you're getting even more of a, a good friend of the show here. <laughs> uh so here's one of the three question Thursday questions I have for Arthur Motes in the second hour. I'll give him a little head start on this. Did you watch the uh the Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire documentary this past weekend by chance? I did. Okay. You know how it starts with that guy who paid $3 million for the, uh, for the record-breaking home run baseball? Yeah, it's a real Yahoo if you ask me. <laughs> so, Brian, back a simple, uh, simple sports question. If money was no object, what is the piece of sports memorabilia you would want to own? Ooh, I guess I will uh, hearken back to another recent ESPN 30 for 30 for my answer on this one. I would want to go with the ball that MJ made to win ring number six uh, against the Jazz, the Mm. the ball that he shot through the net after the, we'll just say, uh, move that he put on uh, (laughs) on Brian Russell. So uh, for me, just growing up as a huge basketball fan, that's pretty much like my first, I wouldn't call it a vivid or distinct memory of the game, but uh, I do remember seeing that, watching that, and even as a, I I guess I was six or seven at that point, uh, knowing that that was a, a truly legit shot and, and something that will go down in, in the history of, of really all sports uh, as being one of the greatest plays of all time. So I think to have that ball would be pretty awesome. That's a good answer. That's clean. I, I like that, I like that a lot, than, too. better than saying the foul ball that I caught off the bat of Delwyn Young in a Pirates game like <laughs> seven or eight years ago that I can't find. I mean, you could just you know, you know could lie about it. Ah, I came off a of Kutch's bat. Ah, Absolutely. I came off Neil Walker's bat. I mean, you know, we're not going to tell anybody. Fair enough. <laughs> he hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Our good friend of the show, Brian Backo, find his work in the PG. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Backo. Buddy, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, have a good weekend and, and, you know, make sure that Hawaiian shirt fits before you show up at the wedding. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, I better not be benching too much. I'll be popping out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See ya. I love that guy, man. Good dude. Brian Backo. Good dude. Our buddy. Even though he's always moving in on me now, man, I'm just telling you. I just felt like he would have a good answer to that question. I don't know did. what it was. He I just felt did. like he would have, but I promise that won't happen again, okay? Or maybe what we need to start doing it's is... It's all good. I'm holding grudges from here on out. We don't should, worry about it. We should flip the backo segment in the Three Question Thursday segment. Ooh. Oh. I see what you're doing here. When we come back here, I have to ask Arthur Motes one more Steelers quarterback-related question, mm-hmm. okay? And then, I mean, if you thought we were nice through the first 40 minutes of the show... Uh, we could the gloves could the gloves could wait did the gloves go on or come off i never know how to they use that off. expression you gotta take the gloves off okay. so that i can start cutting you up. so you can you know some real knuckle yeah. some real knuckle boxing absolutely when we get into the debate of who is the best quarterback in the pittsburgh steelers division 
We've got a two-time Super Bowl champion and a future Hall of Famer. We've got a league MVP. We've got a bunch of dudes who won Heisman trophies. Who's the best in the division? All of that is on the table going forward. Get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52. The body. Quarterback talk continues when we return on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here on a Thursday afternoon, closing out the first hour of the program. It's quarterback day here on the Steelers Blitz. Spent the first 40, 45 minutes of the show talking a lot of Ben Roethlisberger, Terry Bradshaw, the Hall of Famer and the future Hall of Famer. Arthur Mutzow, here's my question for you now that maybe isn't as much debated. Okay. But I gots to know. We gots to know. Okay, let's talk about the it The power grid has gots to know. Arthur Motes, after Bradshaw and Ben, or whatever order you might put them in, Ben, Bradshaw, who's number three in this conversation? You're not going Tommy Maddox? In terms of individual season... You ain't going to tell me Maddox? <laughs> Man, Maddox, I guess the, the year before, Cordell had a fantastic individual yeah. season. You could say, well, Neil O'Donnell's the only other Steelers quarterback who's ever taken them to a Super Bowl. Give but me we know that how guy. that ended, though. Right. I, I, I think for me, Motsi, especially like in the era that we're in now, yeah, I think it's Cordell Stewart. I really do. Well, I, I was going to say, I'm a Cordell guy, actually. I mean, you could talk Bobby Brister, too, I guess, if you want, but... You mentioned Tommy Maddox, who had a great year, and then some other success as well, too. Dude, could you imagine Cordell if he was coming out in today's hey, NFL? Come on, bro. Yeah. Cordell was, I mean, they call him Slash. He was in that similar mode of a Lamar, of, I mean, all these athletic-type guys who can run, can pass. Like, yeah, he would fit perfect. So for me, man, but I was a Cordell guy, though. I remember watching him, and just his style of play was more similar to what I was accustomed to seeing. So, for me, I definitely gravitated to him a lot more in that regard. And if you played with him on a video game, he was insane. Oh, NFL Blitz on the yes, 64. absolutely, bro. He was insane. Yeah. I, I think so, too. And maybe, again, I'm biased in this regard, I think, because, of again, the, the era that we're playing in now. Like, mm -hmm. it's a no-brainer for me in that discussion. If you're just talking about, like, if we're drafting teams Madden style of Steelers right. quarterbacks and Ben and Terry go one and two, I'm taking Cordell. I'm taking Slash third for sure in this era. Without a doubt. And, I mean, yeah, you look at his his 2001 season, which was just insane. The team went 13-3. and three. He had over 60% completion percentage, threw for over 3,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, uh, passing, and then he had, let's see here, on the ground. On a grind as well, too, if I can get this page to load. It's not loading for me in time. Come but, on, man. You know how the internet works, uh, baby. I know, right? Now it's, it's sitting here at a stall for me. Um, but some rushing touchdowns in there as well, too. That was the year, of course, they made the Pro Bowl in 2001. That was Cordell's Pro Bowl season with the Steelers. Yeah, Motes. I just look at some of the numbers. That, I mean, he threw for over 3,000 yards twice in his career. Yeah, hold on. You said in, what, 2001, right? Yeah, and then in 97, he yeah, threw for over 3,000. He, he had five rushing touchdowns. Okay, so the 19 that, total he had touchdowns. seven, though. Yeah. yeah. Had an 11 piece in 97. Do you see, can Jeez. you see, so how many rushing touchdowns did he have in 97? In 97, he had 11. 11? Yeah. And 21 
pass pass touchdowns. Jeez. Plus three thousand yards, over three thousand yards passing. Yeah, four seventy six rushing on the ground. The Steelers were eleven yeah. and five that year, so he they had the team success as well too. Yeah, that's crazy. I think it, it's Cordell for me. I, I think it is. I, and on all of his years too, as a Steelers, is all of his years as a Steelers starter, right? Five mm-hmm. seasons as a Steelers starter, only had one losing season. Yeah, he got it. What, eleven and five, seven and nine, five and six. The only years ninety nine. Then after well, yeah. that, seven and four, and the thirteen and three. Obviously, you okay. know, one. So I guess yeah. yeah. But I mean, two double digit win seasons. I think wow. it's I think it's Cordell. I do with all, and, and there's some again. You know, you could talk about Neil O'Donnell. Tommy Maddox had some flash in the pans, but what this really makes me think of Mozi is that. We better appreciate Ben while he's here. Yeah. I mean, think about how storied the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise is. Talk about though, I do, about I do like week. the fact in '99 he's listed as quarterback and flinker. I know. <laughs> because he, he used to he used to he, he used to position, he used yeah. to run routes too. Yeah. Yeah. That's year. I was gonna say he probably had some receiving touchdowns. Dude, dude. So listen, in '95 he had 14 receptions, 235 yards, one touchdown. '96 he had 17 receptions, 293 yards, um, three touchdowns. Then let's see. In '99, he had nine catches, 113 yards, and one touchdown. Dude, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And again, he played in an era where offensive coordinators just didn't really know what to do with yeah. guys like that yet. I man, Cordell on an NFL team now could be electric. Electric threw for over 1,300 yards. In his Pittsburgh Steelers career, 70 touchdowns, a uh, a 57% completion percentage. Yeah, Cord- Cordell for me has always been an interesting case because, again, just he was kind of one of the first ones of those quarterbacks that yeah. really just – he could play <laughs> wide receiver, he could play quarterback, he was a good runner with the ball. He'd, he'd be very interesting in a modern offense, Mozzie. Absolutely. Yeah. Cordell that, – And, that, and, and, and shout mean, out to his putting. Yeah, yeah. yeah that too. <laughs> I'm is looking where, right here. He is has, that where Ben learned how to punt? Bro, this is crazy. He has six punts for 212 yards, a 42-yard long, 35.3-yard average. This is <laughs> this is funny. This is crazy. I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> I do, too. And he's got, too, a, a very famous college football play. Not that that matters in this discussion, but the Hail Mary to beat yeah, Michigan. very true, man. When he was at Colorado. Um, the playoff stats here started four playoff games, went two and two. Through two touchdown passes, eh, eight interceptions. Okay, so I guess no the one plan. cares about ball security. Come on, no one cares. I think this was the area where we kind of started to maybe a little bit yeah. to care about. After the fact, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mozi, I tell you what, you you make me laugh. You know that. Yeah, all his rushing and receiving. I mean, dude, he caught five touchdowns as a wide receiver in his in his Steelers career too. That's. That's a versatile dude who, like I said, I've said it seven times now. I'll say it again. Yeah, man. It would have been a lot of fun to see in a modern NFL offense. Oh, without a doubt, man. But in this this entire quarterback conversation, Motsi, there was a uh, there was a lot of time between Bradshaw and Ben. I hope there's not a lot of time between Ben and whoever the next guy is, <laughs> because man. we talk about all these other positions where it's just Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer for the Steelers. Yeah. It's two Hall of Famers here, and then it's a pretty sizable gap before you pick your third. Why, why you got to always bring up the negative? I'm not. Hey, you might call it bringing up the negative. I'm just calling it being honest, baby. No one likes honesty. <laughs> Deceive me. Make me feel good. 
Tell me stories. <laughs> Whisper sweet nothing yeah. into my ear. Gee. <laughs> One hour in the book, Arthur Motes. Another hour to go. Next segment, that's when the gloves come off. Although I think, who knows, we could agree with each other again. As it stands right now, what's today's date? June 18th, the year of our Lord 2020. How are you not going to say Landry Jones? This is crazy. We are going to power rank the quarterbacks in the AFC North. Where do we have Benjamin Roethlisberger? Uncle Charlie Batch. Where do we have the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson? Where's that bum? I mean, that guy who plays quarterback for the Browns, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> How do we feel about the rookie who's high pedigree but hasn't taken a snap yet in the NFL, Joe Burrow? Mm. Questions become answers in just about four or five minutes here. 60 minutes in the books, 60 to go. Yins know the drill. Get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Marvelous, darling. Just marvelous. Well, that's good. Me too. Hour number two. Of the Electric Factory, Steelers Blitz here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. You know what that means this hour. We'll get to those tweets, so keep them rolling in. We will also have little three-question Thursday on the program today since, checking my calendar here, it is in fact a Thursday. It is, and it is my favorite thing to do on a Thursday. So that'll be about 15, 20 minutes away here. But first, Arthur Motes, I think we got to ruffle some feathers or maybe just have some tough conversations. I like both of them. So continuing with our theme, right? When we talked about wide receivers in Steelers history on Monday, we talked about wide receivers in the AFC North currently. Same thing with pass rushers on Tuesday. Same thing with running backs yesterday. So you already know the drill. We got to do it with quarterbacks today. You going to make me go first on this one? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Because you'll make me be the bag. I'm like, I'll be like your human meat shield, right? Yeah. And then you'll just stand behind me and be like, Wes is correct. Wes is correct as, as everybody shoots me. I get, I get it. I hey, get man, it. it is how it is. You know how I go, man. That's a, it's a price I pay to be rocking with the decade-long NFL baby. veteran. You know Come what I'm saying? I got you. I got you figured out, Mr. Mozi. So, and again, I want to be very clear to our loyal listeners. I want to be very clear to the electric factory, the power grid, the megawatts. This is right now. On, as it stands, on June 18th, the year of our Lord, 2020. The best quarterback in the AFC North is Lamar Jackson. Okay? Now, I'm not saying the most accomplished. Oh, I'm not saying the All right? Lamar oh, Jackson see, has a go. long way All to right. go before he gets to first ballot Hall of Famer, which, make no mistake about uh-huh. it, Benjamin Roethlisberger uh-huh. is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Unless you're Cameron Jordan. <laughs> Unless you're... Direct all angry tweets to Cameron Jordan yes. instead of Wesley Euler. Motes, I would love to sit on here right now and say that, yeah, the only guy who's won playoff games in the division, the only guy who's won Super Bowls in the division, is still the best quarterback in the division, even despite the fact, let's forget, that he's coming off of major elbow surgery. I, I, I just wouldn't be honest. We've talked about Lamar Jackson before. Listen, you know it. It's a Eulerism. Never crown a guy off of one year, okay? What? 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 what, what, what? Say it again? Never crown a guy off of one year. But Lamar Jackson, in terms of right now, 
his greatness of his career is certainly still the verdict is still still out. But he's the reigning NFL MVP. The face of the NFL. <laughs> Stop it. And I know a lot of people are saying uh, he can't throw the ball. He can't do this. He can't do that. He threw for more touchdowns last year in his first full season as a starter than Ben Roethlisberger ever has in his 15 years as a starter. Easy, big fella. So, again, if we're doing this conversation greatest looking at accolades, Ben Roethlisberger is number one in the division by Fall. I mean, it's not even close. There are football fields between what Ben has accomplished and what all these other guys have accomplished. I mean, like four or five football fields, they got to stand away from Ben. Gold jacket guy, first ballot Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champion. But he's second in the division, coming off of elbow surgery where he only played six quarters last year. And the other guy, what, threw for 37 touchdowns, ran for a few more, one league MVP. Wow. I got Lamar one. I got Ben two. And before I give my three and four, I'll let Arthur Motes react. I, I, I'm even surprised you got Ben in too. The way you was going up, there's you going to say Baker or Joe Burrow. See, you always do this. What? Like yesterday, you tried to make it seem like I hated Jerome Ben. Oh, my gosh. You going to crown Lamar after one year. No, I'm not crowning him. I'm just you saying right now him. he's the best division. You in- crowned him. You said hey, he had that one year last year, and that makes him the best quarterback in the division. Yeah, we're talking out of four people. Oh, you want to ask gosh. me my power rankings of quarterbacks in the leagues right now? Because, I mean, if Lamar is ahead of Ben right here, then, I mean, what, what are you talking about? Is I, Ben even in your top ten right now? now see, oh, I'd, I'd to, man. I'd have to think about that. I can tell you right now, without hesitation, my one and two are Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Without okay. hesitation. Okay. And then I'd have to start thinking after that. Uh-huh. But you keep trying to move the goalposts oh, here. Who's who's your man. number one quarterback in the division? Dude, I still I'm just blast I'm just I just can't believe that you would say this. This is Steeler Nation Radio. Not Baltimore Nation Radio. Not Ravens Nation Radio. Okay. But even if it was, the answer would still be the same. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback. I knew you were doing this. I mean, I knew you were doing this. You and I have had these conversations off air before. Hey, 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 listen, listen, And how we hate how we have to say nice things about Lamar. We we do. Because Steelers fans just – and I get it. He wears purple. He plays for those guys. I understand. I understand it all. You have to do this by Steeler Nation law. You have to do this. Yeah. Motes and I, don't worry. We're going to church to repent after the show. Without a doubt. A thousand Hail Murrays for this. But (laughs) the thing, like you said, that stood out the most to me, man, is when you're talking about – the amount of touchdown passes Lamar accounted for last year, 36. 36. And that's with him. Remember, like you said, he's he can't throw the ball. That's he, the knock on him. He only threw six interceptions. He can't throw the ball. And when we're talking about Ben, Ben's best year from a throwing touchdown standpoint was what? To, uh, 2018, we had 34 touchdowns. He How also led the league with 16 interceptions, along with leading the league in pass attempts, 675. 675. Whereas Lamar, on the other hand, on the contrary. Oh, contrary. 401 pass attempts. 401 pass attempts. 36 touchdown passes. Only six interceptions. I mean, you talk about efficiency. You talk about a guy that was lighting it up but still taking care of the ball. I mean, that stands out. I mean, it's beautiful. Honestly, it is beautiful. And that's before we even get to what he did on the ground. 1,200 rushing yards and another seven touchdowns rushing. Like, I don't – that type of season, 
I mean, from a so just being so dynamic standpoint, like we're talking about a guy who rushed for a thousand, rushed for twelve hundred yards, <laughs> and still threw thirty six touchdown passes, and only six interceptions. I'm glad you're saying it. I mean, because me, it means more coming from you than it does for me. Because, like, for me, that is just as impressive, or it's in the same vein as Mahomes' 50-plus touchdown passes. Same type of concept because of how tough it is to do. We talked about how great Mike Vick was and how in his prime some of the things he did. He never did that. Not once did he did that. Cam Newton never did that. Not once did he do that. That's special. And it was only his second year. Young Aaron Rodgers never did that. Never. Dude, we can go down the list. That was the first time in history we've ever seen anything like that. 36 pass touchdowns, six interceptions. Again, that's not even accounting for the rushing touchdowns. That's a six, rushing that's yards, a six to touchdowns. one. Like, do you understand a six to one touchdown to interception ratio? Dude, that's insane. Aaron Rodgers for his career has a four to one touchdown to interception ratio. And people talk about how insane that is because it is. He had six to one last year. Now again, before I say Lamar is there with Patrick Mahomes and oh, Russell and Wilson, we didn't even get on the I reigning league him, MVP. Right. I, I, again, in terms of his overall greatness conversation, yes, the jury is still out for Lamar when Ben is signed, sealed, and delivered, gold jacket guy. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is right here today. And again. This would be a different conversation if Ben weren't coming off of major elbow surgery as well and hadn't only played six quarters of football last season. And, and I think it's important that we we take this into context because we are quick as Steeler fans to do this. We operate with Ben is going to be perfect. Ben is completely healthy. Ben is going to be at his best. But Lamar's going to get hurt. Exactly. So if we're going to operate with the same mindset that Ben is coming back and Ben is going to be perfect and healthy, well, we have to operate with the same mindset that what we just saw from Lamar Jackson, he's going to be able to emulate again. Mm-hmm. He's going to be perfectly healthy. He's going to be better. And when we, like we said, Ben's best year throwing touchdown passes still was less than Lamar's. And then on top of Ben's best year when he had, what, 30, was it 34 touchdown passes, he still led the league with 16 interceptions. The injury thing is the one thing that really peeves me in these conversations. If you want to tell me Lamar's got to do it in the postseason, Lamar's got to do it again next year, I am right there with you. But don't tell me, oh, he's going to get hurt one day when you look at the numbers. 2015, 16, 17. At Louisville, he started every single game, never got hurt. 2018, he came in for the last seven games of the year for Joe Flacco, and then he didn't play last year in the final finale against the Steelers, so 15 games. He has never picked up a significant injury. And I also said this the other week when we were talking about this, Motes. He probably will at some point in his career because that's does. what happens to quarterbacks. Absolutely. Happened to Manning. Happened to Brady. Happened to Roethlisberger. Happened to Rodgers. Happened every to Cam Newton. Happened to Drew Brees. Well, I mean, we talked about Bradshaw. Happened to Bradshaw. Every, every quarterback gets hurt. So if he does get hurt, uh, I told you, we're going to do that whole thing and act like it's not like every quarterback in the NFL doesn't get hurt at some point. Exactly. Exactly, man. Oh, we got it off our chest. It was easier than I thought. And I think most of our listeners will pick up what we're putting down. I still think some are going to be, you're crazy. Well, they're going to say Ben's the it's future been, Hall of Famer. Ben's yeah. the two times. Yeah, okay. But, I but, agree but, with all but, that. But wait a minute now. The I, greatness I, conversation. Listen, remember, football and, fields between and I these understand, guys. And I understand that if we're talking about what he's already accomplished, but we also have to realize that Ben has played a lot longer. But for the same people that want to make the argument of, well, Ben's two-time Super Bowl champ, you can also say, well, Lamar's a regular season MVP and an All-Pro. Mm-hmm. Ben doesn't have that. 
throughout all the careers, all every other accolade you want to say about him, Ben doesn't have that. That's a, that's a big difference. We're talking about how you justify or, or how you rank quarterbacks off of their individual accomplishments, not team accomplishments, which we talk about all the time. Because it's no different than the Jordan rings conversation. One minute we're going to debate rings, then when you pull up people with more rings, then it's like, okay, we're not going to talk we're rings, talking we're talking MVP this. Or scoring right. titles. Or, so yeah. it's like, which one are we going to do? Like we, we can't have it both ways here, baby. Team accolades aid in the greatness conversation, but they are not the end all. Because be if all. that's the case, you're going to get the Eli Manning supporters. They're going to say, well, he has two Super Bowl, uh, uh, two Super Bowl wins along with MVPs to go with it. So Eli Manning was a better quarterback than Dan Marino. Like, like are we going to go that route? That's what I'm saying. So for so me, t- until Peyton Manning won that last one, Eli was the better you. of the two brothers. Thank you. So for me. I hate when people bring up the whole Super Bowl argument because it is a team statistic. Chris Kunitz has four Stanley Cups. Evgeny Malkin on, and Sidney Crosby only have three. Chris Kunitz <laughs> on, better man. than those guys? Not a, not a chance. And that was my neighbor. Not a chance. <laughs> I love Chris Kunitz. <laughs> he's a great guy. Alexander Ovechkin only has one Stanley Cup. Yeah, not Chris a chance. Kunitz better than Ovechkin? <laughs> not a chance. And he will say that himself. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about yeah. here? So, all right, Arthur Motes. So, we both, so wait, do you agree with me? Would you have Ben, too, as well? Do you agree with me on that? Yes. Okay. Because right now, healthy or not, if we're assuming everybody's healthy, everybody's going to play their best, yes. we've never seen Baker Correct. be on that level. And Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow did it in college. I need to see it in the NFL. So then I think the question becomes, Uh-oh. Lamar won, Ben two. Uh-oh. Are you still putting Baker at three? That's the difficult one because of the unknown with Burrow. And when you look at Baker, he's been very polar. One year, looked really good. Another year, looked not good. Okay. I don't know, man. That's a tough one, though, honestly. Let me, because let he me, still has a ton of interceptions, Let too. me state it to you this way. If I'm playing an NFL game on Sunday, three days from now, mm-hmm. and I need to win, I'd rather have Baker at quarterback than Joe Burrow. Yes. If but I'm starting my franchise, if I'm starting my franchise give, me give me Burrow right yes. now. Because I've, I've seen enough of Baker that I – can he be a franchise serviceable quarterback? Absolutely, he can be. Sure, thirty-five but, interceptions in two seasons. Yeah, that's far I, too many turnovers. I don't me. think he's ever going to reach that Drew Brees that we yeah. all thought. Where I still think if Joe Burrow, he could easily be the next Matt Ryan type quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, if this is like Madden franchise style, I'm going Burrow. But see, at the same time, I'm still not ready to just close the door on Baker. I'm not I, either. I do think that he still has a chance to reach that. I think that reach a lot of what though, like top five quarterback in the I NFL. I do think he could. But this know. is the issue. I mean, you're, you're gauging him off for two years, one year where everybody was like, "Man, he does have that potential." And he's had a, ton, a rotating door of coaching staff. Exactly. So I, I get it's that. It's been a lot of variables. I think the situation plays a big factor into this thing. No different than when we talked about Matthew Stafford versus Matt Ryan. Could you imagine if Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield switched organizations? Like, for me, Baker is a far and away better talent than Jared Goff. If Jared Goff was in Cleveland, I don't think that he does any of the numbers even close to what we've seen from Baker right now. So that's why, for me, I'm not ready to just close the door on Baker. Honestly, I know he plays in Cleveland. I know he, the personality and some of his antics aren't the most appealing and things like that. But... I do understand how tough it is when you're having that constant turnover, when you're having that constant, man, who's the coach? What's the scheme? Who's this? What's that? It affects your play in a large way. So that's why ultimately for me, I'm still holding out to believe that, hey, I think this guy has talent. I think he can make certain throws. And I think the biggest thing he's going to have to work on is just 
the decision-making element of it, the turnovers he has to cut down on. But we also talked about last year where some of those turnovers, they were hitting receivers in the chest. Yeah. We saw that. Yeah. You look at the 49ers game. Hits the guy in the chest on the goal line. And he drops it, turns to an interception. He had numerous plays like that. So I still, and that's why I say it's always important that when we're reading statistics, we don't just solely base it on that because the numbers do lie at times. So I think that definitely plays a role into it because, I mean, honestly, Andy Dalton, I feel like he's the big benefactor of the inflation stat where yeah. he just throws a 10-yard pass to A.J. Green, and A.J. Green does the rest of the work. And then you look at the game, you're like, man, he had 300 passing yards, two touchdowns. This guy was balling. Like, yeah, but he never threw the ball nine like, yards no, past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, that that's always in the back of my mind when I'm thinking about, you know, Baker Mayfield and his numbers right now. All right, Motes, we got some angry tweets. Keep them coming. Oh, yeah. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. <laughs> Keep those angry que- tweets coming. About 20 minutes from now, we'll tell you why we're, why you're wrong and why we're right. Mm-hmm. All right? Because I got Motsy on my side. And unless any of you played in the NFL, you don't, you don't have the veteran on your side. <laughs> but before we do that, before we get to the angry tweets, we will have a little three-question Thursday. Got to have the angry tweets, man. It's I been, just hope. even if you too nice. Even lately. if you disagree with us, I, just, I hope everyone's enjoying the banter and the camaraderie on the show today. It's been a fun one so far. Yeah, thus far so good. Let's keep it going with a little, uh, little three-question Thursday on the other side, shall we? This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A little three-question Thursday. Let's get right into it because we got to save some time for your angry tweets to wrap up the show. Yins already know the drill. Three-pack of questions for Arthur Motes. Some sportsy, some not sportsy. Let's get into it. We'll start with the one that I already laid out in the first hour to Brian Backo in honor of this dude who paid $3 million for Mark McGuire's record-breaking Hall of Fame baseball. Mm. Arthur Motes, what's the piece of sports, or maybe, you know, you could give me two if it's hard to decide, piece of sports memorabilia you would want the most? Um, Probably would go with the boxing gloves Ali used in the Rumble and the Jungle. That's a really good one. Yeah. I'm a big boxing guy, man. I already got a pair of um. So that seemed pretty. That was like an easy answer for well, you. Well, because I, I think of like the memorabilia that I currently have. I have some jerseys. Sure. I have uh, a pair of uh, Mayweather boxing gloves as well. Okay. But I was like, man, I didn't know that. That's sweet. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm big. Like I said, I love. Media, I know you. Like, you love the fight stuff, game. Man. Absolutely. So I was like, who who will be the one that just you know? I mean, because I view. Mayweather as the best ever. So I'm like, if he's up there, then who's the next guy that is in that conversation? And it's always Ali. They're always in that one and two in my perspective. So that's why for me, I was like, you know, I would definitely want to have an Ali glove, but it would need to be that rumble in the jungle, man. The rope dope the bam. That's a good one. Yeah. That was easy for you. See, it's not, this is hard I mean, for it me. wasn't easy because there's numerous things. I just know, like, for me, basketball is my first love, but I'm more passionate about boxing and combat sports, hmm. boxing and MMA. Like, sure. I will watch boxing and MMA. It could be regular fighters, no, no, you love not it. even champions. I will watch it any day of the week when it comes on, whereas football, basketball, it has to be a matchup that I really want to look at or I'm watching this because I need to come here and talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same uh, dude, level for ex- me. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And, and that's maybe 
not that anyone's crying for us, but that's maybe one of the downsides of working in this industry. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? Absolutely. Is that I don't watch the NFL for fun much anymore. Yeah, yeah, not, not at all. Like, I, I watch it out of requirement. Right. And yeah, like until we get to like the Super Bowl, you Correct. know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, because of the whole work element prior to the uh, to hopping on the radio, I never got a chance to just enjoy sure, it. Same for you, yeah. It was, it was always work just still. work. Yeah. So you kind of go through like a burnt out phase. Yeah, it's where and, like, and that's I, that. I can't watch an NFL game without analyzing. Absolutely. Like, okay, oh hey, there's something most and I can talk about on the yes. show. And, like, and that that makes it. That's part of why you know, like I love the English Premier League soccer so much yeah. because I'm just a fan. Like I've Absolutely. got literally no, Com- no strings combat attached. sports. I'm watching it because I. It doesn't matter who it is. I can just enjoy it. So I've got a couple for you. All right. Um, the game-winning goal, Game Six, Patrick Hornquist with 90 seconds left. Mm, it was the Penguins' clincher. Clean. Yeah, that's clean. Uh, first franchise in the salary cap era of the NHL to go back to back. That puck would be sweet to have. I'd also love to have Jimmy Craig, who was the miracle on ice. Yes. 1980 against the Soviets. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Craig was the goalie for USA, and okay. he had a really cool goalie mask. Yeah. I'd love to have that goalie mask. Um, but the big one for me, I think, Motsi, is. Uh, before WVU basketball started playing in the Coliseum where they play now, mm, okay. uh, which was built in the l- early 70s, yes, uh, they used to play at a place called Stansbury Hall on campus, mm, okay. which is where Jerry West you know, yeah, made the WVU absolutely. basketball program famous. They tore down Stansbury Hall shortly after I graduated, mm-hmm. and you, you, they put up for auction like the old scoreboard in there, okay. the WVU benches, you know what I mean? And obviously, I couldn't af- afford any of those things. Right, right. But I'd love some Stansbury Hall, Jerry West, That's uh, WVU memorabilia. So those are the those are the ones for me. Well, and I was gonna say another side note, another thing that I would love is a. Uh, LeBron James, when he broke his nose, he had the black, like the the matte black, like carbon fiber type mask. That's a good one. Yeah, I would love that. I think that'd be just a cool sports it would piece be. because remember he only wore it the one game, balled out. Right. It looked amazing because no one has saw on the that. Wall and yeah. People come over and be like, "Is that the Phantom of the Opera mask?" But like, like no what? one, no one saw that. Remember, remember because Rip Hamilton, when he wore his, it was clear. Right. No one had ever saw the one with color. One. Yeah. yeah. And he looked so menacing he looked with like it. Batman. Yeah, it was killing. And I was mad that the NBA was like, nope, you can't wear it no more. They were just mad they couldn't make any money off I of know, it, That's man. exactly what it yeah. was. They're just trying to hate on LeBron. Absolutely. Either that or probably Usain Bolt's yeah. uh, track spikes when he when he ran, uh, was it the 9-9, nine, nine, was it 9-9, nine, nine, uh, nine, nine or whatever in the 100? Yeah. That, that would have been that would have been awesome. Now that you got me thinking, I don't know if this is really memorabilia, right? But I was at the Orange Bowl in 2012 mm-hmm. when WVU smacked Clemson. Still, by the way, record most points scored in a bowl game. Mm. 70 to 33, we beat Dabo Sweeney and them boys. And then the programs went similar directions. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, WVU and Clemson, similar directions as programs after that. Um, during the celebrations, Bruce Irvin and Tavon Austin, because, you know, they've got oranges. It's the Orange right, Bowl. Right. they got oranges everywhere are like chucking oranges at all the WVU yeah, fans absolutely. up in the stands. You wanted oranges. And I, I, didn't, I didn't get one. Which would, now, granted, oh, man. Th- what would that orange look like today now, eight years later? You got to preserve mean? it, man. So that's why it's not really sports memorabilia. Yeah. But I do wish I would have caught one of those oranges. Now you got me thinking, man, about all these other things. I'm like, Michael Johnson, when he won the 400 with the gold cleats, that was fire. How about the Immaculate Reception football? Oh, that would be cool. Mm. That would definitely be cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool Olympic stuff. Yeah, I, I'm a big, like, Olympics, yeah. any of that type of stuff. Yeah. 100%. How about, like, some of the, uh, I don't know, what could you get from Michael Phelps? Like, some swim caps from Michael Phelps? Uh, I want the goggles. The goggles? Yeah, I want to see what he was seeing. That'd be a good one. Yeah. All right, three question Thursday. Question number two, Arthur Motes. Transition here a little bit. Okay. Uh, I was listening to the DVE morning show. You know, our friends down the hallway here. Mm-hmm. And they were having a debate of the 
one classic song, like right, one overplayed rock and roll song <laughs> that you never get tired of. So, Arthur Motes, I ask Ooh. you, what is the classic song that you never get tired of, and what is the classic song that you can't stand, you change as soon as it comes on? Oh, off? man. I mean, Sweet Carolina is tight. I'll mess with you. <laughs> don't sing Sweet Carolina around the WVU fans. That's all you need to know. Just don't sing it around the WVU fans. Oh, man, but um, try to think. The one classical song that, yeah, classic rock song that comes on that I'm going to bump anyways Probably Dead or Alive. Bon oh, that's Jovi. a good one. Anytime it comes on, I'm that's just like. That's a really good one. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I could be driving. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Want it. Want it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that does it for me. Anytime it comes on, I'm going. Yep. <laughs> and then do you have one that a song that uh, comes on and you're like, next, yeah, skip, um, change the channel? Let me think. Let me think. Classical rock. Actually, yes. For those about the rock, we salute you. don't you. like that song? You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because it's the Philadelphia Eagles entrance song. No. Oh, okay. The New England Patriots. Anytime they're kicking off, they play that song. Because they shoot the cannons yes. with the cannons. And I've heard that song far too many times in my lifetime between playing for the Bills and the Steelers. That anytime it comes on, it takes me back. Back to that. And I used to get excited when it first came on because I love the song. It was a dope song. I love that song. But I heard it so many but times. But you ruined it for me. Absolutely. I heard it. Was, I was hearing it so many times, and then it automatically just takes me back to the Patriots. And I was like, yeah, I hate the song now. So, yeah. Why'd you have to tell me that? Yes, dude. Because that was our entrance song in high school I mean, it's hockey. a dope song. I used to think it was so tough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, stand up and be counted for what you are about to receive. Yeah. I saw them. I think I've told you this tough. story before. I saw ACDC in Fargo, North Dakota in 2015. Oh, wow. Fargo. Yeah, I, we were on a trip with the hockey team I was working for. You know how to like AC, Fargo, man. They, AC, they keep beating my boys, and man. ACDC wasn't at the Fargo Dome. I've yeah, been there for an ACDC concert. Motes, they opened with that song, and when they hit those cannons, it was. I mean, it's tough. My eardrums were like blowing out. It's a tough song, like without a doubt, but I've I literally heard it oh, way too that's much. That's all it, it takes. And it always goes back to. I mean, like, like you said, Sweet Caroline. It's a dope song. I hate but, it. But for you, you're for like, me, I nah, I don't like it. Hey, Pit fans ruined it for Absolutely, me. Absolutely, man. <laughs> and I don't really like the Boston Red Sox either, and that's their song too. So yeah. two of the teams that I don't like have adopted that song. Yeah, so that could be my one that I can't stand, Arthur Motes, mm -hmm. but I thought that might have been too easy. So I got another one for you. Hotel California by the Eagles. Whoa! And I, what? I love the Eagles. Whoa! I love the Eagles. I've seen them in concert I too. I love that song. Joe Walsh is one of my favorite guitar players of all Jeez. time. I've just heard, that song is on the radio every single that day. That song is awesome, though. Yeah, I think it was at one point. But you know what's the classic mozi that I'll never tire of? Man, I'm mad because I'm listening now. I'm thinking about all my classic rock songs that I love to hear. Like Highway to Hell is another one. Like I love it. Anything by the Rolling Stones. Yes. But the one that I'll never tire of, Motsi. Uh-oh. There's a lady who's sure. Mm -hmm. All that glitters is gold. Oh, is that right? And she's buying a stairway to heaven. Listen, if I'm in the car and that song's on, I better have eight minutes because I'm not getting out of the car before that song's over. Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, Stairway, you kidding me? Oh, man. And as we wind on down the road. <laughs> That's it for me, Mozi. That was a great era of music. Man. It really was. was. a great era of music. <laughs> Last one here. Three Question Thursday, question number three. I don't know if you saw this, but the Miami Dolphins and Hard Rock Stadium in Miami are doing drive-in movie night at the stadium. Hmm. 
Yeah. Where fan, you know, I think like 300 cars or whatever they now can Now, you know fit. I'm a driving movie guy. Exactly. That's my thing. So, Arthur Motes, give me one stadium or arena or sports venue mm-hmm. that you would like to watch a movie at. Yankee Stadium. Simple. Put me in Yankee Stadium. I'm going to pull up in something crazy, and I want to watch it. Yes, indeed, man. Yes, indeed. I feel like Mountaineer Field would be the like too easy for me. Yeah. So I'll go with Old Trafford, which is Manchester ah, okay, Manchester okay. United Stadium. Yeah, any, I, so it'd be say, hard you, for me to drive to England, but you, you know I'm a New York guy, man. I know. So I thought that was pretty cool, man. Absolutely. They're doing a drive-in movie at their Listen, stadium. If the Yankees, if the Yankees said they were doing drive-ins, I probably would take a trip to New York just for that too, bro. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. You know, it'd be another really cool one. Lambo Field Ooh. would be really cool. Well, see, for me, I got a different perspective of Lambo. Well, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little different. I didn't, I didn't take the L out there. Would be sweet. Yeah. Jerry yeah. World would be pretty cool too. Just because, dude. The, Jerry although is, I don't know how you look at the, the screen. Listen, when, when <laughs> I tell you, when I tell you, there's no bad seat in the house. There's no bad seat in the house. No bad seat in the house. No bad seat in the house, baby. You'd be fine. <laughs> did you like Three Question Thursday this week, Arthur? Right. That was I did, good, man. Huh? I did. Pretty good. And, and it was a good, nice warm up for what we about to deal with in Ooh. a second. Yeah, we're going to get to our last break here, and we will address all your angry tweets. Last chance to get them in. At Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show next. On the other side, this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know, Motsy, we are a little spoiled here on the program because last year we used to have to kind of ask or encourage participation on the twitter.com <laughs> now you guys be blowing us up so much i'm afraid we can't get to everything so let's not waste any time and get right into the reaction on twitter here gregory this is a moats question right here you sure <laughs> be honest Uh oh here we go and he gives no qualifiers he just says be honest mike tyson or conor mcgregor Oh. I don't know what he means, and uh, who do you like more? Who's the better? You know fight? what? No, no, no. Um, but you take it however you want. I'm a Mike Tyson guy. Those are my two favorite I'm fighters. I'm definitely a Mike ever. Tyson guy, <laughs> yeah. more so because of his style. Just, I mean, ferocious. The all black trunks, the black shoes, no socks, like just mean. But then at the same time, you talk about Connor and his electric rise. I mean. So fast, what he was able to accomplish, becoming the first champ in two divisions just simultaneously. How polarizing he was, and the way he was doing it. I mean, calling some of his shots, what he did to, uh, to Jose Aldo. I mean, like that type of stuff to me. That that's why he's one of the greatest MMA guys. And I know people will make the argument well, he's never defended his belt and things like that. What he was doing and what he brought to the sport. I mean, he made UFC a, a, a global conglomerate realistically man yeah. because Anderson Silva never did that John Jones never did nope. that Ronda Rousey never did that he was the first one to really just make the sport into the mega like Muhammad platform Ali that was it, with absolutely boxing. yeah because of his he charisma because of his style yep. because of the way he was doing it and he and, and he was a trendsetter and now you see so many guys following that trying to be champs in multiple weight classes trying to call out their shots and all these other things Connor was the first to do it 
Love them both though. But I I'm do, a Tyson guy though. I'm a Tyson guy. They're both my they're both my favorite. They're, those are my two favorite fighters of all Anytime time. Anytime they're fighting, they're getting my money. I'm paying. Yeah. Period. For sure. Uh King Dusty, <laughs> good point. You know, with the defenses that Terry Bradshaw had behind him, he could deter he could turn the ball over as much as he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, him, Franco save conversation, man. Cause them dudes is turning the ball over back then. I don't know what's going. How, how did you win games turning the ball over that much? Forcing it's, a lot of turnovers too. It's I guess. crazy. It's, it's crazy. Were they Crisco in the balls back then before Dude, games modes? I, I need to know. I really need to know. Like, cause I that this it blows my mind. And these are Hall of Famers. It's not like these are just some regular Joes. These are Hall of Famers. Richard saying it's number twelve. Terry Bradshaw, four Super Bowls in six years. Come mm, on, talk baby. Talk about it. Talk about now, it. Now TC brings some interesting points here. He's okay, saying here Big Ben. Because Bradshaw didn't win the starting job until his fifth season in the league. Mm -hmm. If you compare Bradshaw's interceptions to others in his era, like Staubach and Greasy, etc., he was more inaccurate and had more turnovers. Mm -hmm. And then he says Ben could throw for 6,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and still not be MVP because the media hates him. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I guess I'll have to look at that. I'll have to compare Bradshaw's interception and turnover numbers to some of those other guys. But like I said, that stat, 13 out of 14 years that Bradshaw was in the league, Mm -hmm. the quarterbacks threw more interceptions than touchdowns. That's... Hmm. Ball security, again, was not at a premium. It was definitely not. (laughs) Don Juan, what do you guys think... ESPN just named AB the Steelers' best player of the decade. I'm not going to lie. I don't have an issue with it per se. I'm t- I, 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 listen, listen, listen. If L. Bell would have stayed here and done it longer, sure, I'm going L. Bell. I understand people will make the argument for Ben. But we can't argue about AB. The one thing we can say was clear cut when AB was mentally good and in, in the right place. He was the best receiver at his he was the best receiver, the best player at his position in the NFL. Whereas with Ben, each year, when have we been able to just flat out say he was the best quarterback at his position? We haven't. We haven't, not at all. And and, and not from a Steelers just black and gold fan perspective, just taking the black and gold goggles off and just looking at a realistic spectrum of the NFL when you have a Brady, when you have a Breeze, when you have a Peyton Manning, and now the emergence of Mahomes and Russell Wilson. I mean, when have we ever felt that Ben was the best quarterback in the league? Whereas with A.B., I mean, he went on a four-year run where it wasn't even debatable. And that's what Julio, OBJ, Hopkins, Larry, like, like you throw any of those guys, it was still clear-cut. Clear cut. So yeah, I'm not I'm not opposed to it, baby. You said it. I'm not opposed to I it. I get all the angry tweets for my Lamar comments. Now you can get all the angry ones for the AB comments. Listen, man. We're not vouching for AB as a person. <laughs> We're vouching for AB as a talent. Between those white lines. Between those white lines, that's one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. You and me both. And I've seen a lot of great a lot of great players, Hall of Famers. I've seen them all. It's one of the best players I've seen in my life. <laughs> I've said this before, and I, you know, my experience was limited, but I only had two years at it. Some Steelers media people had much more. Going to training camp to watch Antonio Brown alone, they could have charged fans to get into training Dude. camp just to watch AB practice. It was, it was incredible. Crazy. Maz asks, when are we playing Warzone, fam? Hashtag Electric Factory. Oh, that's you. You're the Warzone guy, man. Uh, you don't play Warzone, do you? No, no, man. I, I, I know. Moats yeah. likes his, he likes his, uh, his accolades Absolutely, and his stats. Absolutely, man. His, okay. So now this is important. Oh, wait. Before we get to the Lamar and Ben stuff, <laughs> we got to settle this. 
Uh, Rebecca just tagged us in this tweet the and lit said, one? the lit one. Okay. Can you please talk about this on the show? Mozi has to have some insights. Because according to a PFT commenter. You're making me nervous because I never get a chance to see these. I need to get on Twitter beforehand nah, so I can just have an way, idea. Baby, Golly. <laughs> according to PFT commenter, who is, of course, the, the big podcast host yes. for Barstool Sports Absolutely. and part of my take. He said this morning on the DVE morning show that the Buffalo Bills fan base claims that Renegade is their song. Whoa. Moats, is this true? Not a chance. The only song that they play in Buffalo is the Shout song. I was going to say. Bills make me want to shout. That's that's the song. It's not no Renegade. Ever since last year, because of that whole little video clip that came out where, oh, they played Renegade and the Bills got hype and they ended up getting a turnover or they ended up scoring and that's why, you know, that's their song now. Cut it out. Cut it out. For every one time that that's happened, I could point to another 10 times where it was the opposite effect. So, yeah, silence that dead, that not a chance. I was in Buffalo four years. I still have close ties with the guys up there. Not, not at all. And also, if you think regular winning a regular season game gives you the right to steal something from another fan yeah, base, all, bro. know your role and shut your if, mouth. If that's the case, then the Bills shot us on CBR since, uh, was it 16, we went up there and blasted him in the snow. If that's the case. A little bit louder now. Hey. I do like that song. A little bit softer now. You go to a, you go to a wedding and that now. song comes on and hey, it's just. Hey, hey, hey. <sighs> Hey, hey, hey. hey, man, stop, man. You go, they, they're going to kick back the Steel Nation, man. Gonna... Cut it out, man. I'm not allowed to enjoy <laughs> Buffalo stuff. It's just a banger, though. Gosh. <laughs> you, you talk about two songs that I'm just happy that I was a part of an organization that they have songs like that. Because in AZ, there was no song like that. You know how I feel now when I go to a restaurant? If I hear the Shout song, I get crazy. And if I hear Renegade, I get crazy. I love them both. When you're a part of organizations that they have a, a legit song. That's all you can ask for. Like, and, and that's why the fan bases were so awesome, too, because they know when that song comes on. And you can tell if you're around a Bills person or if you're around a Stills person, when certain songs come on, they're going to sing it. They're going to go crazy because it takes you back to that place that you want to be in the stadium, big time game, winning, big plays. It just gets you in that vibe every time that song comes on, man. I love it. Uh, I, I I do. It was, Motsi, it was one of the things that blew my mind the most those three years that I worked in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They don't have like a song that they get hyped to like mm. most cities do with their yeah. sports teams. It's weird. Well, not a, I feel like not a lot of places have that. I mean, I know, like I said, the Patriots, they have that one. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think. Maybe it's more wise, of like a college fan base. It is. It Virginia is. Tech gets That's hyped to enter Sandman. Yes. WVU has Country Roads. Mm-hmm. Pitt, even though it's not theirs, plays Sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's what it yeah. is. But uh, Penn State has the zombie nation. It's, it's definitely that, though. It's the college atmosphere because not all NFL teams have a college that's vibe. True. It's the, Whereas you when get you a talk lot of about business. Buffalo, you talk about Pittsburgh, you talk about New England, that's college vibes. The towns, the way they're built, and how the fan base is around it. The wine and cheese crowd hasn't taken over yes. their Correct. game day atmosphere yet. Absolutely. Yeah. TC wants to know, this is who. It's funny. Every time you say TC, I think about player development with the Steelers, Terry Cousins. I'm always like, TC's on <laughs> Twitter? TC's on Twitter? He's <laughs> on the show? What you doing, TC? Text me. One game to win in January, Lamar uh-huh. or Ben? Now, see, the January is the kicker. Uh, because if the question is you got, one is game, you, got one game, <laughs> you got one game to win on Sunday, it's still – we haven't seen – guys, again – like the one thing that I don't think we're talking major elbow surgery. So if you're asking me week one, give me Lamar. Mm-hmm. If it is in January, yeah, there's a good chance that if Ben plays a whole healthy season and I yeah. see it, give me Ben. But I need to. Uh, I didn't know what year we're the talking. Guy who played six quarters last year, yeah. I got to see him play some football again first on the other side. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like you said, 
the the uncertainty of the injury does play a big part. But if we're going to operate with – and I like doing it. I like operating with the mindset that everybody's perfect. Everybody's 100% healthy. If that's the case, we saw the type of year Lamar just had last year. That's all I'm saying. Now, TC says to that, he did have a great season, but a ton of his passes were to wide-open guys. Ben, okay. Ben Rogers, Manning, Breeze can make NFL throws in tight spaces. Lamar that's can't. That's fair. And then the contrary to that is Lamar also had 1,200 rushing yards. Ben Rogers Breeze can't. So we're talking about a guy who's dynamic. We're talking about a guy that it doesn't matter who's out there at the receiver. He can still make a play. Harry says, Wes, you are out of your mind if a rat bird is better. Thank you. I'm with you. Ben. Can't be a rat bird better than Ben. Well, what if the what if the decade-long NFL veteran says so? That's different. Harry. That was an accident. Huh? So somebody spiked my tea. Also, I mean, are we really going to say that in the history? I mean, you, I know you say a rat bird is better than Big Ben, but we, we can apply that logic to every position ever. Yes. Correct. Steelers are always better than Ravens. So, right, I mean. Yep. Yep. Larry Foote was better than Absolutely. Ray Lewis. Yep. Yep. Debo better than Suggs. Yep. Well, at least that one's a fair debate. Yep. At least that one's a fair yep. debate. I'm there with it. Yep. <laughs> Give me Hamp over Evergoosa. Yep. I'm there with it. Absolutely. You're funny. I, I like you. Shazier over Mosley. Yep. I like you. <laughs> That's where I'm at with it. Jeff says until Lamar proves he is better career-wise and regardless of Ben coming off a of surgery, Ben should be, still be considered number one. But you just hit on it. It's not career-wise. It's right. right now. It's June 18th, 2020. And it's hard to say career-wise when you're talking about one guy who's only started a year and a it's, half. It's not even – remember, like, I said in the at the top of the hour, if we're talking career-wise, there are football field yeah, length not even close. between Ben and Correct. these other guys. Uh, football fields length. We're talking as it sits June 18th in your Lord 2020. Yeah. The year of your Lord 2020. That, that's <laughs> that's the difference. <laughs> as of sits today. Not not 10 years ago. Not two years ago. Just today. That's all. Rebecca says good, good emotes for shutting down this heinous rumor, shutting this heinous rumor down. <laughs> and she liked the she liked my know your role and shut your mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. No one's ever commandeered a tradition from another fan base Can't. for a regular season win. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. I I, you I don't want to hear that. Miss me with 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 all but, but, of that. But I do have to just put this in there for my Bills fans. They struggled. They went through a long, long drought, and this is their first time in decades Just of let, having success. Let, let them have their moment. So that that you know how it is, man. You, you know you say act like you've been there before. A lot of them haven't. Yeah, Moats. If w, like, like seriously, if a lot w, of them have Football has some crazy success. Yeah. You're gonna tell me to act like I've been there. You see what before? I mean? Like like so, it's different, man. <laughs> yes. It's different. If, if the Pittsburgh Pirates win a World Series, you're going to be telling Pirates fans to act like listen, they've been there before? Listen, you're one of me, Vince, Shazier winning a division, and how we celebrated in that locker room was totally different the third time we did it. It was like, oh, all right, we've been here before. We know what we're, we're trying to accomplish now. Like, this is a different mentality. Year one, we didn't know. We, we were new. We never had success in the NFL. So it's different. So I'm just leaving it at that for the Bills fans. It's yeah. a little different. No different than why think the about, ba- think about the Pirates. I was gonna say think about the Browns. Why do you think the Browns they talk so much craziness the past year? Because it was their first but at time. At least the Bills had a good season. Unlike the, the well, Browns. the past three years they've had good seasons. Yeah. They've been to the yeah. playoffs now. Now they're like, okay, we we're here. Now we got to <laughs> take the next step. But that I think that goes into it a lot, though. Arthur Mutz, we got a lot of the uh, one year wonder tweets about Lamar. We got one. We fine. got one from Michael. We got one from Jared, and we got one from I can't pronounce this. So, so my like question is this: if we're if we're going off of the one year wonder mm-hmm. thing, right? Because everything else is an uncertainty. We do know right now that Lamar's one year wonder 
does Ben have a one year that was wonderful as Lamar's? That's the question right now. Because we, we can go down the list of, well, he led the league in passing yards, and we talked about how he led the league in interceptions as well. He also led the league in passing attempts as well. We can go down there. If we want to go off just the one-year wonder thing, we can do that. And by assuming it's a one-year wonder, you're assuming that he's going to fall off next year. Now, if we're going to make that assumption, then we also have to make an assumption about Ben and his health coming back from major elbow surgery at the age of 38. I want to give Ben the benefit of the doubt and say he's going to be completely fine. And I think we've been doing that all summer. We have. So if we're going to say that he's going to be completely fine, benefit of the doubt, that goes both ways. You can't have it both ways. You you, you can't take your cake and eat it too. No, 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 my friend. That's not how it works. You can't say that Lamar's going to fall off. There's only a one year that he did this. He's not going to do it again. And then at the same time, tell me Ben coming off a of major elbow surgery is going to be completely fine. I just, I, I, it's not how it works. You know, sometimes it's tough being honest. I'm honest because I love you, though. They did. You that's, know, what, that's what my mom and my dad used to tell me. Our power grid, our megawatts. We I love them it. so much. I do it because I love you. But they did this to us, Mozi. Look what you made me do. I want to do this. You know what? You know what I equate this to? When I have to say nice things about those rap birds. Mm. Because not even saying nice. Uh, rewind. When I have to say honest things about those say, it's rap birds. not nice, birds, just honest. It reminds me of, you know, like you're on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, right? Mm. Or maybe you're going on 81 through okay. Virginia in, right. in your home state. And there's like that truck driver that just sits in the left, or not even a truck driver, just oh, anybody, anybody man. that sits slow in the left yes. lane, and you're behind him for like eight miles, nine yes. miles, ten miles, yes. and you finally get to pass him, and you just, you just, as you pass him, you look in your eyes because yeah. you want them to see the anger that you did this to me ten miles yes. ago. I was in a good mood. You did this to me. Yes, that's how I'm looking at the power grid right now. Man, I love Yins, but Yins did this to me. That hurts. It hurts. Are the modes tomorrow? It's I a like Friday it on the program. You like that example, didn't I you? I do like it. <laughs> I like that example, and I st- it made me start thinking about when I got to go on the turnpike and I got to pay the toll. I really don't want to pay that toll. And, in fact, I'm mad that you slowed my progress, the time that I was making on the road, to sit in this toll line. But then I always got to smile and say, have a nice day. It hurts. I don't want to do you that. You also need to just get an easy pass. Come on, Mike. No, 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 no. Easy pass for the, for the guys who's frequently up there. And then it just sits on your windshield. It looks weird. You know how weird it looks when you got an easy pass driving around here? Like, oh, where, where are you going with the easy pass? Take it down. Oh, you got the two little sticker things up there, too. Tacky. So, yeah, forgive me on the on the no easy pass, crowd. Forgive me for that. It's not a good look. Forgive me, but don't forgive me yeah. because I'm right. For, for all that, you might as well put a baby on board sticker in the back. Or, or my son's on honor roll sticker on your bumper. Nah, it's not a good look. <laughs> Arthur Motes, that was a fun show today. <laughs> and seriously, everybody who tweeted, even if we disagree with you. Oh, we love you, man. You, we, we love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We do. It's, I've said it before. I will say it again many times. It, obviously, it makes our job easier from a content standpoint, but it also just makes it more fun for us. Motes and I talk to each other a lot. Mm-hmm. During the breaks, we're talking. Before the show, we're talking. We like to, to talk to the audience as well, and, too. And we value your opinion. We value we your perspective. Absolutely. On these type of, on these type of situations. It's a, it's a community we're, we're growing here, right, Very Arthur true. Motes? The, the electric factory community. We appreciate it, and we'll be back to talk the ends tomorrow. All right, Arthur Motes, we're going back to defense tomorrow. So what's it going to be from the defensive expert himself? Pass rushers are off the board. But we still got linebackers. I feel like we, gotta we go got to go linebackers. That's like the next, like, that's like the, the, the next yeah. iconic spot, yeah. man. How have we made it the whole week and we haven't talked yeah. about Lambert and yeah, Cam? Yeah, exactly. We got to do that. Got to do that. Got to. Linebackers. Are the topic du jour tomorrow on the program? Who is the greatest in franchise history? 
And then? Well, we'll tell you in 22 hours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you know where to find us. High noon tomorrow, and as always, on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.